three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today I'm so excited for our topic. Today in our virtual studio, we have Kristen Gingrich. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited. I'm ready to talk about today's topic. But before we do that, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, your age, where you live, and what you currently do for a living. Yeah, so my name is Kristen Ginrich. I am 29 years old. I currently live right outside of Portland, Maine, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I work my day job as a program supervisor and as a therapist. I really want to talk about today some advice people can start implementing in their lives, some tips, some tricks relative to, you know, you being a therapist and your expertise. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about you and how you sort of came to be here. So I guess first and foremost is how did you become a therapist? What are the steps it takes? Have you always known you wanted to be a therapist? How did this come about? I wish that was the story. So I was in high school. I took a psychology class. I loved it. I had some incidences happen. As a teenager, I lost a friend to suicide. And I just really wanted to be there for people so they didn't feel alone because Sometimes people feel like they don't have anybody and I wanted to help be there for the people who felt that way. So I went, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology. I knew that I wasn't going to go back to school if I didn't just go to school right away. So I went to get my master's in clinical social work with the hopes that I would be working with sexual assault survivors or veterans in some way. I graduated my grad program and was like, I just need a job. And I saw this posting for an outpatient clinician and I was like, I'm just going to take it. What's the worst that could happen? I hate it and I quit. And six months in, I realized that I loved my job. I loved being a therapist. I loved getting to work with individuals. I'm also a certified alcohol and drug counselor as well. And so I got to work with just so many different people because I work in community mental health, which is usually we're working with severe persistent mental illness. And so, yeah, I wish I had a much more exciting story, but it really is just because I needed a job and then I fell in love and I've been doing it. I'm about to hit my five-year mark. I love that. I think it's remarkable. I'm so excited to dive in. I guess one of my questions is, does working and working through these therapy sessions with clients like ever weigh on you after work or are you able to like turn it on and off? Mm, I wish I could. I wish I had an off switch. The things that people don't realize about therapists is we are human. We think about our clients outside of session. We try not to. We mm. learn a lot of skills in order to leave stuff at work. I like to visualize my clients coming in my office with a backpack. We unpack it in my office and then we pack it back up and they leave with it. But sometimes things get left behind. I've had really hard sessions or I've had some big incidences happen, such as like a loss of a client, and it comes home with me. Mm -hmm. um, and when that does, I really have to check in with myself and kind of figure out why is this sitting with me and making sure that I process that. Because I think sometimes we're so quick to then put that in a box and say, I'm not supposed to bring this home. Stop thinking about it. When the reality is, is we need to process those things and ask ourselves, why am I bringing this home? But it very much does. I would call any therapist a liar if they said that they never bring anything home with them because we actually really do care about the people that we work with and we are human and we do take stuff home. So yeah, I mean, like you said, you're only human. It's only natural. Sort of on those same lines of bringing everything home. 
How has your job and life changed in this virtual world? It's been changed for the good and the bad, right? Confidentiality for clients, having safe spaces, especially for kids, can be really hard when you're just sitting in your room and your parents are right in the living room. Mm -hmm. It makes kids not want to really talk about sensitive topics and totally understand. I've worked with clients to put speakers by their door and put a towel underneath their door to help drown out noise. I've done therapy from a car with clients where their parents mm -hmm. allowed them to sit in their car for even more confidential space. You definitely lose some of that connection. You lose that body language when it's virtual. Or even um, I've had clients where we just do it by phone because they don't have the technology mm -hmm. to do like Zoom or Doxy or things like that. And you really lose even more of that nonverbal communication. I mean, so much of our communication is nonverbal. But for some clients, this has been a gift. For clients who struggle to leave their home, mm -hmm. um, parents who are struggling with having kids at home and can't really find the time to leave the house for an hour and a half, this can be really helpful for them. It makes it more accessible than maybe what office visits used to be. But it definitely has done a lot of changes, that's for sure. When you receive a new client, do you approach everyone the same way? Or are you given a little bit of background? And then once you sort of have an idea of the kind of person or problem that you're trying to work with, do you take different strategies and different approaches depending on the person? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll get a little bit of information on a referral form. Sometimes mm -hmm. we get none at all. Sometimes we get stacks of charts. I try to go into every session not reading those charts as much as possible and allowing my client to tell me about themselves before I have some paper chart telling me who they are. Mm -hmm. My personality stays the same with every single client. I really have kind of this no bull approach. We have really hard conversations and I'm pretty direct with my clients. But I meet my clients where they're at. And that means that sometimes my modalities shift. I might be using one modality over here with one client. I might be using person-centered, but maybe I'm using solution-focused. And another client, I'm using DBT. Mm -hmm. Another client, I'm using CBT. Or sometimes a combination of all of those. That's our job. Our job is to really meet clients where they're at and what their needs are and to not impose our own things on them. And I think that's what makes therapy so great is we are all so different that you could have worked with one therapist and then you go try someone different and they are completely different in their approach, in their modalities, because at the end of the day, we're all human and no one, no one's experience is the same. And so we can't expect that all therapy is the same. I think that's a really great way of putting it. But to dive in a little bit deeper in today's topic, I'd really love to talk through some tips that people could start implementing today. And the first one is you know, what are some simple fixes or simple pieces of advice that you've given to your clients that you tell people to start with? Yeah, so I wish there were simple fixes. Sadly, that's not really the case. But what I usually tell clients who come in to see me, one of the first questions that I ask is, are you changing your clothes every day? And at the end and start of your day. And what I mean by that is, are you wearing the clothes you slept in all day? And are you going to bed in the clothes you slept, you wore all day? And sometimes the answer is yes. And most of the time the answer is yes. And one of the things that I tell my clients is making sure that you are changing your outfit. And I tell them that means that you could change your leggings. Like you could change one pair of comfy pants to a second pair of comfy pants. Mm -hmm. But as long as those comfy pants are different, I tell people, I don't care if your PJs are the same for five nights in a row because we're just sleeping in them. But there's something about starting your day in a new outfit. It kind of says, oh, my day has started. The downfall is it does take a lot of effort. It really does for some individuals. But I usually try to get my clients to start there, as well as getting outside and getting some fresh air for at least 10 minutes a day. Whether that is a little walk, whether you're going and sitting on a porch, 
or sitting in your backyard, even if it's cold out, getting fresh air and getting kind of sunlight and just changing your environment, those things are very small. And they're not going to heal everything, but they're definitely starting points. When you start making those a part of your daily routine, they do start to motivate you to change other things. You change your outfit every day and suddenly you're motivated to make sure that you brush your teeth every day. You're motivated to make sure that you brush your hair or I've gotten dressed, I can walk outside. It tends to make a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And to carry on with that is what advice do you have for people who want to start therapy and are nervous? You know, I think... A lot of times people I've talked with, close friends of mine, have gone all the way to the point of finding a therapist and then it's that extra step of actually meeting with them that becomes the barrier. Well, my first thing is it's okay to be nervous. That is normal. And I want to say that because it's true. It is normal to be scared or worried about walking into an office and having to be yourself and having to take off that mask eventually. We don't expect that mask to come off the first session or the second session or the third. But over time, when you begin to develop that relationship, that's scary for a lot of people. And I usually tell people, if you go that first time, there's nothing saying that you have to go back because sometimes we don't connect with a therapist. And I think that's important to acknowledge that sometimes you don't connect with someone and that's okay. But that shouldn't deter you from trying to find someone else because there is a therapist out there for everyone. I tell all the time on my different lives that I do that I'm on my fifth therapist. <laughs> and it took me five times to find the person who was right for me. Did it suck? Yes. But when you find that person, it is a game changer. But know that it's normal to be nervous. Know that it takes time to build that relationship. None of us expect to tell your entire life story, your entire trauma narrative, if you have that, in the first session. We just expect that you show up and you're ready to engage a little bit. I think it's important when you're looking for a therapist, you can utilize things like psychologytoday.com. And I really love that resource because you can put in your insurance you can check off if you want to work with a male or a female, or if you don't care, you don't have to check off anything. You can check off maybe I'm looking for depression and trauma. I can click those two things right off and it's going to help filter providers. You can check off your insurance if you have it. You can check off sliding scale, things like that to help kind of filter out some of those providers. I recommend that you call a couple because a lot of times people are on there and they're not taking new clients. But you can also screen. A lot of therapists will talk to you for 10, 15 minutes. And sometimes you can even just rule them out there and say, oh, yeah, no, this one isn't going to work for me. And a lot of therapists, because therapy is expensive, they offer sliding scale, which is sometimes they offer free therapy, maybe therapy for $25, $75, depending, based off of what your income is. And a lot of nonprofit agencies have interns that offer free therapy. I know a lot of private agencies offer interns for like, there's several in my area that offer them for 25 bucks a session. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of resources out there. To kind of change pace a little bit, what do you recommend for someone to do when they feel like they need to tell a friend that they should seek therapy? You know, I think a lot of friends have conversations that go beyond your scope of like Mm. what your quote friend duties are. So how... How do you recommend someone go about telling a friend that they need therapy? Yeah, that's always a tough conversation. I think the first thing is for the person who's going to be having that conversation to remember that you cannot make that other person go to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can't make anybody go to therapy but yourself. Usually I tell people who are struggling and they want to talk to someone, find an in. 
So maybe a friend is talking to you about how bad they're struggling and maybe your therapist told you something and you're like, oh, this would be a perfect time to tell them, hey, my therapist told me that maybe you should try getting dressed every morning. It was really helpful for me. And then you can kind of lead in like, wow, my therapist, I found my therapist has some really good things to say. Have you ever thought about it? You can definitely have much more eloquent ways of doing that. But sometimes it's finding that in and asking them like, have you ever thought about it? It's also important to remember like, to support them, show them support around it, talking about your own experience sometimes. Like I talk about my therapist all the time with my friends. I'm like, oh my God, guys, you won't believe what my ther- what I told my therapist and what her response was gonna be. Like I totally normalize it with my friends. You can always offer to help them to find someone. Hey, I'll, I'm, I'll sit down with you. Like if they start to seem interested, do you want some help? Do you wanna help go through psychology today and we can look at a couple people? But I think it's also important to remember, like, we might have friends who get defensive Mm -hmm. and we might have friends who don't want to hear that. And knowing that we might have to disengage and not to push that conversation. But it's also important to set boundaries as the friend that if it's becoming too much for you, that it's okay to say, hey, this is too much for me. Hey, I can't talk about this. This is too much for me to hold. I want to be there to support you. But I also, I can't be here in this role. I agree. I think it's a fine balance between being supportive, but also, you know, you have to put yourself first. I love what you said about normalizing it and talking about it and making light of like advice you've been given um, for certain situations, obviously. You know, I think that's what's great about TikTok is TikTok Mm. has really, I feel like begun to normalize the therapy culture and that It's important to go and, you know, talk about your issues and work through things. So I do really love that, that social media is becoming less about, you know, what you look like and more authentic and real. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see a time when someone comes into therapy, but they really don't need therapy? Do you ever see that Mm -hmm. come in? So everyone needs therapy. And I mean that in a way of everyone can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you're just coming in and talking about it, everybody has problems, everybody has issues, and we're not the ones to compare them. And I think everybody could benefit at least going once in their life. If a person is willing to engage and really do the work, then they need therapy because people come in for all sorts of reasons. They come in because, hey, I'm struggling with a relationship with my mom. Hey, I really wanna better my communication skills. Hey. I'm really struggling with my friendships and they're just being mean and I'm just feeling like upset about it. There's never a bad time to access therapy or there's never, it never has to be bad. Things are getting bad or things are getting worse or Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. I'm actually, one of the things that I do on TikTok is really encouraging people to access therapy before things get bad because a lot of healing can be done preemptively and we don't have to wait for things to get bad before we need to access help. How do you recommend someone find like their perfect cadence for finding a therapist? Like what do you feel like is a good pace or cadence for someone to seek therapy? The pace of therapy goes per person. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some people who jump in, they hit the ground running and they're ready to go. And we do a lot of work really fast. And then I have other people where it is very much slow paced. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of skills that need to be taught. It's like we lightly poke the water and suddenly the ripples are out everywhere. For some people, we can't just jump in. We have to work at it slow. Mm -hmm. And so it it varies from person to person, very much so. And then I guess this is just like a broader question for your field. Mm -hmm. Are there different therapists specialized for different problems? Like obviously you hear about big ones being like specializing in divorce or marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there are definitely people out there who specialize in those specific fields. And I would say it definitely grows in specialty at some of those niche areas like eating disorders. So if a client comes to me and we're working together and I realize that they have a significant eating disorder and it's something that they want to address, that is not something that I have a lot of experience with. So that would be something that we would talk about. Okay, well, I don't think I'm the right therapist for you at this moment because this is not something I'm fully trained in. And that is usually hard for clients. But we want to make sure that you're getting the most effective care. If I continue to treat you for this and I don't really know what I'm doing, I'm not going to be helping you. But there definitely is. And that's the nice thing about that Psychology Today website is that you can start clicking off the things that you're looking for and it and it kind of filters out some of those. So if someone only only specializes in marriage therapy and marriage counseling and you're looking to go for an eating disorder and you don't click off that marriage person, they're they're not even going to come up on your list. So then you're not wasting your time calling people and they're like, no, I'm actually just a marriage (laughs) therapist. I don't, I don't do eating disorders. Oh, okay. And then really my last question for this segment is, can you ever be done with therapy? I think it really depends on what that person's goals are. I've had clients who come in and they're like, I want to work on this one thing, this one thing only, and then I'm done. And we work on those one thing and then we're done. I have been in therapy in and out since I was 18 years old. So we're going on 11 years. I'm in the point in my own therapy process where I am just doing kind of maintenance everyday work. Mm -hmm. If I stopped therapy, it wouldn't be the worst thing for me, but I still go because I find it beneficial. As long as you have some form of a goal that you want to work on or something that you want to work on, you could go to therapy for the rest of your life if you really wanted to. And this is my personal belief is Mm -hmm. that Every so often, I think that you should switch your therapist because there gets to a point where that therapist can only offer you so much unless they're going to all these new trainings and they're changing their modalities. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's really nice to get like a second look at it and someone's different approach or different different insight. But that's my own personal opinion. Kristen, I end every podcast episode talking about pet peeves relative to the subject we've been talking about. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear any pet peeves you have around being a therapist or therapy or stigmas around therapy. Yep. Lay them on me. <laughs> oh, Lord, I could go on for days. I think my biggest pet peeve, to be honest, is when people say that we get paid to care. Well, you're right. We get paid. But I can promise you that the care is actually there. Like we actually care about our clients. Like we wouldn't get in this field if we didn't actually care. I think that that's a very common misconception about therapists is that we're only in it for the money. We only care about you because we get a paycheck from you. While yes, we still have to put food on our table. Like we wouldn't do this job if we didn't thoroughly enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's probably my biggest pet peeve. I'm always at war with the whole mental health system. I could throw hands with the mental health system every day, whether it's insurance barriers who get to dictate treatment and how often you get to see people, whether it's because therapy is so expensive and inaccessible for others, whether it's the mental health stigma and people getting labeled as crazy or, oh my God, you go to therapy. Like (laughs) there's still such a stigma around it. And luckily it's starting to decrease, but it's definitely those are the pet peeves. And it's definitely hard, but I love my job. I love what I do, even with the pet peeves. And I would probably say every therapist who would probably listen to this, I think I know what our greatest pet peeve is, progress notes. (laughs) We really, we really hate them. It's the writing of the progress notes. 
then it's probably our biggest pet peeve. <laughs> I love that. I hope there's another therapist out there that listens to this and get the Gets laugh. A little, they're probably sitting here like, yep, you are so right. <laughs> okay, Kristen. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and this will be really great. So thanks again. Yes, thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.